All right, it's a pleasure to have Ben Beharin from Creative Strategies to join us about all that is NVIDIA, the AI, the AI mirage. <laughs> we're gonna, we've got lots to discuss. There's lots of drama on Twitter. Uh, we're going we're gonna to flesh some of it out. Some of it is monkey business, but, but I think we've got a great conversation lined up. Ben, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Scott, you want to kick it off? So, Ben, you know, we live on Twitter. We see what's going on. There's a pocket of Twitter that's gotten really negative on NVIDIA. And so I got to start with the big question. Basically, what they're saying is that NVIDIA is faking sales. They're not actually sold out. You can get these chips if you want them. Is this true or, or do you agree with these people? What's going on here? Yeah, it's it's a it's a wild situation. It's it's not one that I've uh, I've come across uh, really. Welcome before. to it's, the Thunderdome, the Twitter yeah, Thunderdome, and and, it, it, and a whole pocket of Twitter that, to be honest with you, I just didn't know existed. You know, perhaps I I should have known it was a, a, existed, but but I didn't. Um, yeah, I think the the core here is just really the question of you know is there demand because that's really the argument, right? They're saying that whatever they believe about how Nvidia accounted for in this case, core weave sales is, is inflated demand and demand doesn't exist. Um, the reality is for the last sort of two years, we've been seeing a, a significant increase in demand for everything that's fundamentally AI. Like you sort of saw this coming, you've got every big name in semiconductors as well as all of the hyperscalers. So that's AWS, um, you know, Amazon um, and Google, Google Cloud, et cetera, starting to I'll say like we're, we're going to move to an era where the types of tools we develop are significantly computationally intense, and all of them we're saying right something that I've 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 been sort of on on the same page with that we just don't have enough compute for this AI era like this was not in new information this has been around for years then you have this ChatGPT moment in in um, you know last fall that basically showed us that we are nowhere near the level of compute if these are the type of AI tools that we're going to be creating at a software level. And so if you just start from the fundamental premise that the, the way the world is evolving with um, everything that we call AI, and you can use ChatGPT, large you know, vision models, autonomous driving is going to be hugely driven by AI, we do not have enough compute today to handle that. And so knowing that that's the underlying situation, Everybody who's in this space, and NVIDIA is right now the, the primary beneficiary of this for a, a variety of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. But even today with H100s, we don't have enough compute for what we're driving in terms of AI, what Google's investing in, what Microsoft's investing in, what Amazon's investing in, what Apple's investing in, I mean, you name it, what Tesla's investing in. Like, we don't have enough compute. So their roadmaps are essential to continue to evolve and and give us that future so if you just use that as the baseline scenario you understand why everybody that we talk to every enterprise that we talk to who's looking at deploying edge um edge ai is within their enterprise with their on-premise systems none of them have compute that they need to run these systems so there is a giant demand now how long that lasts what's the what's the peak of that look like who are the winners and losers and Ben, that is the real question here is how long this keeps going versus is Coreweave this sneaky fraud? And and maybe we should just address this elephant in the room. Is this some diabolical scheme? Yeah, without Corewave, are they gonna have a big miss in earnings and revenue's yeah. gonna stop growing? Like what's going on? Yeah, so basically like I've said, you know, the reality is Coreweave could die and it won't dramatic it won't impact NVIDIA at all. 
you know, the, the flaw in the thinking is that they are this growing, large hyperscaler who needs all of these GPUs. And yes, they rent GPUs, and there's a host of startups that I've talked to who use their for G, their, them for GPUs. But Amazon, uh, Microsoft with Azure, GCP, you name it, right? All the big hyperscalers and beyond are buying thousands, thousands upon thousands of GPUs from NVIDIA, far more, far more than CoreWeave. And that's where everybody's going, right? Everybody that if you're startups, if you're big enterprises, you're moving to public cloud. That's again, that's Google, that's Amazon, that's Azure. You're starting to use their training modules to train your data, which is all being trained on NVIDIA GPUs at the moment. That that's where the really demand's being driven from. And then again, that I'm I'm not even touching on the future at Enterprise Edge, which hasn't even happened yet. All organizations starting to say, we want to bring AI inside our walls because we don't want to host it just in the public cloud. We're going to build out our infrastructure, our on-premise infrastructure. This is Chevron. This is Shell. This is governments. This is you name it, right? They're going to bring those down into their own tools. So that's why when Jensen says, and I think this is an interesting way that he's framed this, that there's a trillion dollars of data center infrastructure out there that will be up for refresh that's, that's in the cloud and that's on-premise. That, that's a valid statement to say that we were going to see people overhaul their infrastructure, both at the public cloud and at the edge. That's true. So that's not that's the reality. Now, again, who benefits from that is really the big question, because you've got a bunch of players in silicon infrastructure who are trying to position themselves to be, you know, in memory, in in networking, in and GPUs and CPUs and custom ASICs, like you name it, right? That are trying to capitalize on this this AI market that's additional to the both data center and infrastructure TAM, which is roughly a 250 billion of, of silicon annually right now. So can I confirm one thing? It sounds like even though that all the purchasing of the NVIDIA chips is mainly by the hyperscalers and people are renting those to run their, their tests on AI, you think it'll eventually trickle down where an Exxon and Chevron will want to bring those in-house and do it themselves as well. Yeah, so there's this whole sort of talk about hybrid cloud, right? If you're an enterprise, you might have some of your data stored in the cloud, trained in the cloud, and then you might choose to run some of that more on-premise. Now, where this matters is sensitive data. So governments, for example, right? Governments would never keep all of their sensitive information just up in the cloud, right? They build firewalls, they build these on-premise, and the reality is they're, they're gonna find value from these large language models, from training those models. Um, they're gonna wanna host that in-house, right? Financial institutions, there was a, a news release that came out earlier in the year that JP Morgan is training all of their financial data um, in on, again on GPUs, but they're training all their financial data so that their associates and partners and investors can use large language models. That's super sensitive information, right? According to to governmental and SEC regulations, there's some stuff they they cannot have outside of their firewall. So they will be continuing to invest in their own internal infrastructure, on-premise infrastructure that they can run and control these things. So that's why when when you look at the TAM opportunity in terms of just pure infrastructure. It's not just the public clouds. That's a big portion. But it's also that enterprises, governments, institutions will also be upgrading their infrastructure, which they have today, and they spend putting you know servers and, and little mini data centers on their campuses. That's all up for grabs, too, in Refresh, and they're going to spend on GPUs, CPUs, ASICs, networking, all of these things that we're talking about, which are highly relative and computationally demanding from on, on silicon. 
So what you're seeing is that sales are essentially sold out. So these hyperscalers have been buying up almost all the NVIDIA chips. NVIDIA scrambling to increase capacity. And so if, if some of the sales were fake, you'd be seeing these smaller companies buy one or two. For example, I look on eBay and you see like an H100 out there. It's, tr it's selling for way more than NVIDIA would charge. What does that tell you? then there's a shortage of chips, right? Why would it be going for more than the selling price if there wasn't a shortage? Yeah, and Just I, as I a think- a simple the, example. Exactly, and I think, right, the reality is anybody who talks to, you know, all of these VCs that are investing in AI startups and you talk to AI startups and they're like, we can't get GPUs, we can barely even get space on, you know, the, on the public clouds to rent GPUs. Um, it, it shows you how much demand is out there both to, go and get, right? So you've already got Amazon and GCP um, and even uh, Microsoft Azure wanting to increase their number of instances with H100. So they'll, you know, they, they buy blocks of those GPUs, they bring out instances, people rent those, and uh, and they are increasing their investment in those in, those those instances because people just want to keep training their data, right? We're in this this training mode. So we, we wouldn't see that, but, but the other part, like I said, the semiconductor industry is is a highly complex network that goes deeply into the supply chain. So there's all sorts of things in the supply chain that you would also see, right? So for example, we know that 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 Nvidia is working to increase the number of wafers that they can buy from TSMC. And we know that TSMC only produces a certain amount of wafers per month, right? And so it's that's not an infinite number. And to know that in, that Nvidia is trying to acquire every bit of, of capacity that they can. And, and TSMC is trying to support that by giving them more wafers or move allocation or, or increase them in the priority just tells you that there's so much demand out there that if there was more wafers available, NVIDIA would buy them, make them, and sell all those GPUs. Like they are supply constrained. The, the, in, and the entire infrastructure of this is supply constraint. And you see that throughout everybody that's out there that's, that's tied to NVIDIA and the supply chain situation. Now, Ben, before we move on to the opportunity from AI and NVIDIA longer term, I just want to talk one more question about CoreWeave. As I look at that deal, say it worked, it actually has gone through exactly like everyone on Twitter that's saying this is a huge smoking gun has. Is there anything illegal? So if I'm NVIDIA and I see there's this company, CoreWeave, it's a small company, they want to buy a bunch of my chips. They don't have enough money to do that. Well, what's wrong with me giving them a loan so that they can buy the chips because I have confidence they their product is legitimate, they will make revenue, and they can eventually pay back that loan, plus I'm collateralized with the chips that I've given them. Is there anything illegal in that transaction if it happened exactly that way? I mean, I think the, real, the, the reality is a, lo a lot of people have commented and written on this is that there is nothing wrong with that, right? And I think, again, NVIDIA is disclosed, right? They are an investor also in CoreWeave because, again, the reality is we want to have more call it public clouds out there because Azure's at capacity for this, right? GCP is growing capacity. So it's not bad to have another hyperscaler that's out there, but obviously they're not Google Cloud. They're not Amazon who can just fork up a bunch of cash on 10,000 GPUs. And so there has been this question again of hyperscaler capacity, just in terms of can you go and get these things? So it's nice to have somebody else, again, how big is CoreWeave? And yes, they came from mining, so they already had a relationship with, with NVIDIA for training. From what I've seen in terms of accounting, none of that is is, is fraudulent or wrong. Um, 
But like I said, they are a very, very small player in this. And I think the hope is just that maybe they could become some kind of an alternative over time and make some of some of those revenues back. But that's, again, that's a whole other question of can you even disrupt the large public clouds? Can they even get enough power from the grid, which is dominated, right, by? So that's a, that's a broader question. But from everything I've seen and people I've talked to are much closer to the accounting world than, than I am. Um, if it's if it's playing out that way, there's there's nothing wrong with them doing that. Ben, yeah, I know uh, part of uh, NVIDIA's strength, isn't it, that they have a very diversified group of, of coders and companies that use their infrastructure, and that gives them an advantage versus everyone else. So wouldn't this fit in the strategy of funding other upstarts to use your chips so they're locked into your ecosystem? That would make sense from a competitive positioning for me, at least. Sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Ben, just on, on the question on like the big big buyers, uh, the hyperscalers, how much of an arms race is it? Like maybe you can give some context on uh, you know just how you know how competitive they are with with respect to you know each of them wanting to you know re really push hard right now, as opposed to you know taking a wait and see approach and you know and being more measured. Yeah, I, I think they're seeing the end demand from every company that's out there wanting to use large language models to some degree as a part of their business. And at the same time, like, we're talking about the world today, right? We're talking about a, a world that's got ChatGPT and, and Google's Bard and Facebook's Llama and Hugging Face at Amazon. Like, and we're talking about them training these hundreds and hundreds of billions of parameter models today. Tomorrow, that might be hundreds and hundreds of trillions, right? Or a trillion parameter model. Like, so, so they're, they're not standing still. They're getting bigger. If, if we don't have enough compute to satisfy the demands of the training market today, and, and we know that those software models are not standing still, then this would tell you that we don't have enough compute going forward. So all of them are trying to acquire as much as possible, right? And, and again, NVIDIA is the benef beneficiary here for a lot of reasons that they do for their platform. But, but AMD wants to come into this space. NVIDIA wants to come into this space. There's at least a dozen AI startups and chips that I'm tracking who want to attack um, very specifically the training market a a as well. So y you wouldn't see that, right, if there just wasn't enough demand to train these models and you're just trying to, to get enough capacity so that everybody who's working with you will, will pay you to rent space in your in your data center and, and train their models. So we know that so much is, is, is piling on here from a demand standpoint. Um, that they're going to acquire as much as they can. I mean, I, I've, I've said this, right? If, if, if NVIDIA could get more, and, and I said this a little bit ago, could get more wafers and sell more product, they would sell all of those, right? For the foreseeable future, there's enough demand. And this is why AMD is scrambling this. If you've heard their CEO, Lisa Su, on numerous earnings calls, they're seeing significant demand traction as well. And they're trying to ramp up their GPU story, um, other products that they've got that come to inference. Intel's in the same bit. Intel's got a product called um, Havana, uh, Havana Labs, and this, this uh, Gaudi, very specific training infrastructure. They're training hugging face models. Everybody's trying to do this because they see the demand. But, but again, I put that in the context of that's today, right? We are moving to a world where it's going to be even more computationally in text with these trillion parameter models over, over time. So the silicon industry is not standing still. And I'll just give a reference for kind of anybody who's been, you know, around the blocks as many times as I am because I started as an industry analyst in 2000. But at that time, I spent a lot of time studying the market and studying Intel. 
And if you recall, Intel was on the Pentium swing, right? Every year they tried to increase gigahertz with Pentium. And for five or six years, there was insatiable software demand for them to increase, in, increasing their CPU performance. Every year, as much CPU performance Intel gave, the software industry ate it up. We are in one of those cycles right now where we will continue to innovate and increase performance in GPUs, CPUs, memory, uh, infrastructure in terms of networking, and AI will literally eat all of that up for, for the foreseeable future. I'm not going to say it's five years, but for the next, call it 12 to 18 months, I'm fairly confident that we will have enough software demands to keep churning up every bit of compute that CPU vendors and GPU vendors can put on their, on their roadmaps. And, and, and that, that's why we're, we are in a, a build-out time of infrastructure. Now, again, that's, that's, that's if historically, if you know kind of how that goes, and that's why on the, on the, on the podcast where I think you guys were referencing my podcast to, to NVIDIA, I meant there was a debate about is, is NVIDIA like Cisco? At the time when the internet was being built out and there was a huge internet infrastructure play, Cisco was a huge beneficiary of that because everybody wanted faster networking because we were on, you know, we wanted to go from uh, 128 bit to, you know, a megabit of, of, you know, <laughs> of internet, like the time when it was, the internet was slow. In stations of the band for the internet, right? Required backend networking. And so very similar to the Intel paradigm, to the Cisco paradigm, we're in one of those. I don't know how long it's gonna last, but we're in one of those right now. And that just tells you that there's a, there is good demand for the foreseeable future. Picking the winners or losers of that is now the debate. Now, I'm curious, how economically sensitive do you think this story is over the next 18 months? If there is a recession and like spending slows, will it take much of a bite out of this demand in the near term? Or is it just, it, as we know, like if NVIDIA is really sold out, it's just then there's a catch up where there's not as much demand growth but there's still enough demand. Like, how, how would yeah. you think about that? No, I think that's a great question. I think this comes back to the, the, the role that NVIDIA is playing today, right, which is training. We, we're in a mode which is everybody's training these giant models. It requires GPUs because they're great at, 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 at processing and their architecture is, is, is good for, for training. We're in that world today. I don't know how long that's going to last, right? We're eventually going to move from a world where there's enough – these giant models have been trained – and now you need to fine tune them for your specific purposes as a software company, as a business, whatever. Th th that's the next stage of this that comes into play. It's still going to be highly a highly silicon intensive one, but it's going to be probably more of a CPU or a custom ASIC or AI accelerator uh, phase for that. So it's not always going to be in training. So, so part of the question then is, well, at what point in time and does – is there just – so too much GPU capacity. Like we've bought so many and now nobody's using them anymore, right? Th that will be the overall, the overarching question for the point that you just said, whether again, that's because the economy slows. I mean, the tech industry is, is typically very good at continuing to invest even in downturns. Like historically, every big company will increase their R&D and they know how important it is to spend in downturns because they come out of those things fairly advanced. And as you know, big tech's got a lot of money, so, so they can afford to do that. So I'm less worried about that. It would be more of when do people – when have we exceeded the need to keep training these models? That's about okay. the point of time where the role of the GPU will change. And then the role of 
inferencing from CPUs or custom ASIC accelerators becomes a bigger part of the equation because you're not training these models anymore. You're just querying them. You're inferencing them. You're using them to get what information you want in your large language model or query your data, et cetera. So as long as we're in training mode, that's the least macro sensitive of the AI revolution, basically, in your view. Yeah, 100%, just because there's just so much demand for that. And right now there's a capital run on training these models because everybody believes that AI will in some shape or form infiltrate every form of our workflows, of our creative and our product, productive lives across every devices that we use, including autonomy, smart cities, right? You name it, right? It's, it's going to be a fundamental backbone to uh, the way in which we, we do things with our, with our devices. So we're in this build out, right? That's why I, I sort of use the, the build out frame. We're in this build out mode. That won't last forever, right? Infrastructure always changes from hardware, then it moves to software. And so we're largely in a hardware stage, then we'll move to software. And then, you know, again, if we just use the, the, the PC example I gave or the internet example I gave, you now have a new hardware bound platform to build on, right? You've got the compute, you've got these large models. Now software companies start taking off and building all these examples. But it, it's moving really fast, to be honest with you, because you know, you've got Microsoft saying that they're going to bring AI to the edge in terms of, of Windows. You've got you know, Google now bringing that to workspace. Like You've got SAP and Salesforce and all these big companies, even now, right? even though we're in a training mode, trying to bring those software features because they see so much economic opportunity to their platforms. Some of this is happening in parallel, but the next, you know, we, we still have a lot of training to do as these models get bigger. And so that's why we're still going to chase uh, compute for training over over time because there's just so much demand for that still. And Ben, for anyone listening who doesn't know Edge, Edge means basically on-premise, so whether it's on your phone or it's in a data Correct. center or something like yeah. that. You could, your car would be an Edge compute, so you know, like Tesla, Ford, all these people wanting to do autonomy and these things that require high-end high, high, high compute needs. So again, GPUs will be in cars, et cetera. Um, that, that's all Edge, right? Cloud data centers in the cloud, you know, Amazon, GCP, um, Azure, and then, yeah, the edge is PCs, smartphones, car, uh, edge networking, stuff like that. Got it. Ben, uh, fantastic conversation. And, and for those who don't know, uh, could, could you give us an overview of what you do, where they can find you? Obviously, um, you, you had a fantastic pod. I'm going to link it here uh, in, the, in the YouTube, but you could talk about creative strategies and what you do there. Sure. Yeah. So Creative Strategies is an industry analyst firm. For anybody who knows what industry analysts do, we are not financial analysts, so I'm not as caught up in the day-to-day -day of, of, of the, the equity markets. But we, we study the end markets for products, for uh, industry, for categories of things. Semis is one of the things I do. I mean, I spend a lot of time tracking Apple and PC vendors and a host of other, uh, other folks in the market. Um, but yeah, we, we're an industry analyst firm. Um, this is now my 23rd year as, as an industry analyst. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Ben Beharin. Um, and obviously, I have a dedicated semiconductor podcast called uh, The Circuit with my friend uh, Jay Goldberg, who is a longtime Wall Street, uh, Wall Street uh, guy on the sell side. So, um, but that's my semiconductor podcast, The Circuit. Fantastic. Yeah, I love your guys back and forth. You can tell, you know, the financial background, you have the deep industry knowledge, and so you can play off each other really well. It's, I, yeah. I would recommend everyone check it out. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's been fun and it's been growing like crazy because semiconductors are hot again. So it's good good times. <laughs> the bull uh, cycle. Got to love yeah. it. Yeah. Ben, thank you so much. Obviously, we look forward to having you back. Uh, you know, back yeah. joining us soon, and uh, uh, we'll we'll uh, you know we'll, uh, we'll we'll stay in touch. Uh, that's Ben from Creative uh, Creative Strategies, and uh, all the links are below. Uh, give a follow if you're on Twitter. That's that's where that's where it's all going down. It's it's the coliseum for thoughts and ideas, uh, whether good ones and you know we, we, you know and, and obviously some uh, some loony ones as well. But but we're we're bringing you the good ones out, Ben. Thank you very much uh, for all thank the you. insight. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you.